Hey everybody, welcome to the 10 to 12 podcast, the official podcast of Teamsters Local 1150. I'm Stephen French. I'm Vinny Cainty. And we're here with Statman Jason Shoemaker. The Statman. So we are in the midst of, of an historic moment, right, uh, in, in the labor movement, I think. Yes, we um, are. Some people are, are, are dubbing this Striketober. The, the month that we just finished going through was historically um, really at the top of the charts in terms of strike activity throughout the labor movement. Um, and, and I think the question is, is this just a blip on the radar or is this an indication of something bigger to come? Definitely right. an indication of bigger things to come. You think so? Yes. Okay. Because now this month's going to be strikes giving. Nice. So I, I hope so, and I, and I hope everybody listening hopes so. Uh, but there's questions, right? There, there are definitely questions. This could be just a, just a small moment in time. There is some history um, of, of unions taking strike activity after big events. So we saw we saw an, a, a major surge in strike activity after World War One, yep. after the Great Depression, after World War Two, and now here we are in the year 2021, and you know our country's biggest pandemic, right? The world's yes. pandemic of the century, um, and, and and we're seeing the same thing. So why, why is this happening? That's, I think that's the first thing we have to know. Why is this happening? I think this is happening because people realized after, well, during the pandemic and some people were out of work, they're not willing to come back and work for substandard wages and be putting, put in harm's way, especially when it comes to, I mean, certain areas that COVID is still it's still growing and it, you know, it comes back and then it, it, yeah. it goes down a little bit. But uh, I think people are realizing that their labor's worth a lot more. Yeah, for sure. Um, and, and I think, I think workers are, are kind of now realizing that or coming to a realization or, or, or feeling like their labor isn't valued. Yes. We're right. seeing the same abuses across the whole country. People are going on strike for a lot of the same reasons. Two-tier wage systems, yep. being asked to do yep. more with less workers. Yep. Um, forced overtime, right? Yep. Things like that. They're the you know, these you hear a lot about these suicide shifts where, you know, yeah. workers are, are having to work twelve to sixteen hour shifts. Sixty, seventy, eighty hours a week. Right. And all yep. all for the express purpose of catching their employer up and, yeah. and and putting the money back into their pocket. Which should come with a premium, a large premium. But even when it does, you shouldn't be forced to work sixty to eighty I hours agree. a week. Yeah. Right. Which is why they're going on strike. You, you can hire more people. Yep. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. And that would be <laughs> So I think the other, the other part we're missing is that we've seen record profits across multiple industries. Yes. And while they're ripping record profits on the risk and hard work of all their workers, they're failing to share that with them. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, so just like all these other moments in time where we saw an increase in strike activity, it's the same thing. Workers are expressing today that, you know, they feel like they've made a sacrifice. Um, I know I feel like that 
right? Personally, I feel like that working, you know, I can remember the early days of the pandemic when we were driving to work and the the streets were empty. There was no traffic on I-95 because we were the only ones going to work. And, and I definitely, on a personal level, feel like that. I feel like we're underappreciated. I feel like we made a sacrifice. We sacrificed, you know, we we risked our lives. We didn't know how dangerous it was to exactly. come to work every day, but we did. Yes. Right? We put a mask on, and, and we washed our hands, and they told us to sing happy birthday while we washed our hands yes. so that we washed our hands for, for long, long enough. enough. Right? And, and, and we went to work, and we built helicopters because yeah. we're here to support— you know, the, the United States military. Yep. Yes. And that's what makes us money, right? Exactly. The people in the shop building the helicopters. Exactly. Not the people sitting home during the pandemic pandemic working from home. Yep. And a lot of workers are called, you know, heroes. And then now, you know, they're not being treated like heroes. Right. Nope. Right. No. Um, I, I actually saw that um, from one of the nurses working for Kaiser Permanente. Um, th- that's a nonprofit group that, um, you know, they're nonprofit, but they have $45 billion in reserves. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. So this nonprofit company has $45 billion in the bank, um, and, and they're squeezing their nurses. Yeah. Yeah. And right? now what's happening is a lot of these nurses are leaving to go take hazard pay in other places yep. and the vacuum that they create they're having to replace them they're having massive shortages that are threatening the well-being and the care of their patients and they don't want to pay them so they end up paying uh hazard workers to come in and pay exorbitant amounts of money mm-hmm. just to restaff the people that left because they wouldn't give them yeah. a fair percentage yeah. Yeah. So so this one this one nurse at Kaiser Permanente and and I guess this is the first strike we're talking about, right? Cuz Kaiser Permanente went on strike, the yeah. workers there yeah. went on strike, the nurses there went 20, on strike. 20,000 employees. 20,000. Wow. This was one of the big ones, right? Yeah. And and so this one nurse talks about being on the picket lines and and looking at the sign on the building that says heroes work here. Yeah. Right? She's on strike. Yeah. While while the 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 sign says heroes work here and she's out there walking a picket line because the company offered her a 1% raise. Yeah. That's insane. Right? Yes. So so this is how these companies are thanking their heroes. Yeah. They're right? treating them like zeros. Yep. yep. I mean, inflation it's outrageous right now, but yeah. but typically we see you know, the cost of living goes up around two and a half to three percent a year. Yeah. Right? Two and a half, three and a half percent in that range every yeah. year. So to offer someone a raise that 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 gets you a third of the way into your your increase in cost of living is not fair. No, it's not fair. The other point people should be aware of too, because you read in the news about these contract offers at these places. Um, You know, 10,000 people are out on strike at UAW for John Deere, Um, 14,000 workers at Kellogg's, thousands more at Nabisco. So all these people are pissed off enough to walk out the door. And then you'll see these contract proposals and you say, well, a 10 percent raise. That's awesome. You got to remember, where were they at that they're willing to still strike after a 10 percent increase? Yes, exactly. Right. And and, you know, so. So some of these strikes, you know, you talk about Kellogg's, you talk about Nabisco, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk maybe in depth about some of those. But some of those strikes settled fairly quickly. Yep. Right? Yeah. But there are a couple. Um, nurses, 800 nurses at St. Vincent's Hospital in Massachusetts went on strike in March 
and they're still out. Yeah. Damn. There's been actually Cornell has tracked 250 strikes since the start of this year. And nursing alone should tell you everything, right? That's an industry that we truly said, you are heroes. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And now it's get a shot or get out the door. Yep. Yep. They don't care. No, we're not going to share, you know, the amount of money that we're taking in, you know, just deal with the, uh, the lack of resources, the lack of support and, you know, the hero name should be enough for you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're here. Didn't you hear us? We called you heroes. And also, please don't go somewhere where they'll pay you thousands of dollars because there's a crisis going on and they need the help that badly. Right. (laughs) A good dose of guilt is what they're getting uh, for their efforts. Um, In April, 1,100 coal miners in Alabama went on strike and they're still on strike. In fact, they had a march on the the company's headquarters last week in New York York City. City. A couple of our members went down there. If you want to check out our social media pages, there's some... um, there's some pictures on there of a couple of our workers marching with those Alabama coal miners. But but since April, 1,100 of them have been on strike, right? It's just, um, yeah. you know, these companies are are cold-hearted. Yes, they, they just, are. They don't even want to And it's to not talk. like they can't afford to pay these people because okay. they can. Of course they can. Yeah, how long has Metro Energy been on strike? <laughs> I don't know how long. I'd have to look it up. But... <laughs> You're the stat man. Tell yeah. us. <laughs> We've got a lot of Teamsters on strike there, too. Yeah. So, um, you know, there, there have been a lot of strikes this year. We, we, I mentioned the St. Vincent's nurses. Uh, I mentioned the Alabama coal miners. Um, in July, Frito-Lay workers went on strike. Um, soon after that, about 400 workers at uh, the Heaven Hill Bourbon Distillery down in Kentucky went on strike. For, and and I, I believe they're still on strike. I, I think it's, um, it's been about seven weeks for them. Um, in August, Nabisco went on strike. Yeah. Um, just last month, the, the Kellogg's workers went on strike. Uh, a few weeks ago, the 10,000 at John Deere went on strike. Um, and then the, the 30,000, I think it's 30,000 nurses at um, Kaiser Permanente uh, went on strike out on the wow. West Coast. And then, you know, what could have been the biggest strike uh, probably of the decade um, was narrowly avoided um, the IATSE, which is the the, um, the the folks in the movie and television industry, right? All the yep. all the, the the behind the scenes workers in television and movies, they narrowly avoided a strike. That would have been sixty thousand workers nationwide yep. wow. who went on strike, right? And they they just about avoided that. And there are still lots of problems. You know, um, w- you know, we talk about the 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 incident on the movie set. Um, with um, what's Alec his Baldwin. Alec Baldwin? Yep. Thank you. Yep. Uh, y- you know there were there were lots of problems on that movie set. Yeah, there was actually a lot of the union employees walked off that set earlier in the week. Uh, there had been misfires earlier in the week, and the union people were talking about problems with the working conditions, problems with uh, wages and hours, and problems with safety, obviously. And then they brought in, I believe, some scab workers, and then an accident happened. Yep. Of course. So they were ignored. Yep. And yeah. it was all to, you know, keep production moving because, listen, it's expensive. Um, every day it's expensive to run a movie set, right? And so they're, so they're cutting corners and they're pinching pennies so that, you know, they can put more money in the studio's pocket. Yeah, exactly. There's a big theme right now with, you know, let's hand out a title and let's make people feel, you know, you're so needed. We need you so much. You're so important. Uh, we just can't pay you, though, 
right? There's just right. not it's, enough money to pay anybody. It's a lot of empty words. It's a shortage everywhere yep. on their end, except in their profit column. Yes. So, so what gives us leverage right now? Why, why are all these strikes happening? We talked already about, you know, the the feeling of, um, you know, there's a there's a lack of respect for us, or there's a lack of appreciation for us. But, but, you know, workers feel that way all the time. Yeah. Right. You know, workers settle for lesser contracts because. Um, because they're afraid to go on strike. Yeah. So what 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 has emboldened us recently? Why are we now willing to go on strike? I think people are realizing that the conditions are where they work are are not good, and that they deserve their labors. They could deserve to get paid more. They deserve better health benefits. They deserve just to have a safer workplace in general. And I think the uh, the pandemic kind of triggered that in a big way. Yeah, I think so too. But um, I I think it's this what they're calling the Great Resignation, right? There are, people are quitting their jobs yes. left and right. They're you know everyone's talking about the labor shortage. I just I turned on the television last night to watch the local news, and um, they were talking about a, a restaurant. Um, I can't remember where it is, but a, a pretty popular restaurant in Connecticut is closing its doors because they they can't get people to come to work. And and, you know, the the story was told from the perspective of the restaurant owner and what a poor guy, you know, oh, this poor guy can't keep his business open because nobody wants to come to work for him. What they're not saying is he doesn't want to pay people a living yeah. wage to come work for him, right? He doesn't want to pay even minimum wage because restaurants don't have to pay minimum yeah. wage, right, because of tips yeah, and all yeah. that. And 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 what, what they don't realize is if they're willing to pay a, a living wage, and if everyone in this country is willing to pay a living wage, then... Those folks are going to turn around and stimulate the economy, yes, right? By spending I'm their gonna, money, I'm going to be willing to spend a dollar more for a burger at a Me restaurant if, if I'm making good money. Yeah, right. It's, and that's the I think that's the dynamic that a lot of these employers don't it, understand. It's not really a labor shortage; it's more of a living wage shortage. It absolutely is. It's a wage shortage. Um, you know, people are tired of it. People don't want to come to work for for peanuts anymore. I think the pandemic showed them that they can survive without without those those lousy jobs. I mean, if a job needs to be done, it should come with a living wage. I mean, like you're trying to hire somebody to wait tables or cook or clean the dishes in a restaurant. And if that job needs to be done, why are you going to ask somebody to they can't even support themselves on what they're uh, what, what you're paying them? Yeah, we're at an interesting time because. A lot of people are leaving the workplace, too, due to retirement. A lot of the people that are retiring are um, pro-union people. So there's been some concern with how do you replace them and keep union membership at, you know, at least at the level it's at, if not increasing. Um, 68% of public support the unions. 77% of young people support unions. So there's a good opportunity here to capitalize on that, get young people involved. Yeah. And kind of ride this wave. Yep. I know we try to avoid politics here, and, and, and but I'll, I'll just mention this along those lines. In, in a recent Gallup poll, and I think that's where you're quoting from, even if you look at it from political lines, right, 
90% of Democrats support unions in this poll, and 47% of Republicans approve of unions in this poll. Half of Republicans are in support of unions yeah. right now, which is which is amazing to yeah. me. That that's unheard of. But we're still we're still like kind of riding that line of nine percent membership, yeah. right? Nine percent of of U.S. workers are members of unions. So that's not growing, and and I wonder why, right? I wonder why this um, this isn't translating to more organizing to more union members, to more people choosing to be in a union. Um, and I think that's the dilemma. And yeah. and I'm not afraid to say that I think it's our own laziness, right? I think unions aren't going out there and doing it. They're not. We're not capitalizing on this moment. Not yet, anyway. I think people are also afraid to make waves in their workplace. Yeah. Uh, again, um, it's fear, and that's always been the thing that keeps people from organizing, right? That we've always had decent uh, numbers in terms of people who approve of unions, right? People who have a, a, a positive view of unions. I think we've always been okay there, but people don't, that doesn't necessarily translate into people joining unions. Yes. I think the way that we make that translate is we need people like our listeners and, you know, our coworkers. To kind of take these stories, we're not just talking about what's happening in the labor movement because we have nothing else to do. We're talking about it so we can kind of spread the word and get people talking so they understand what do you deserve or, you know, what should the conditions be across different industries so that you're not putting up with, you know, getting less than you deserve. Yes. Yeah. Do we have any stats on that John Deere strike? Because that's an interesting one, I think. Yeah, we do. The um, You know. How many people went on strike in that? 10,000. 10, yeah, over 10,000. 14 factories. Yeah, it was the right? first walkout in 35 years. Yep. 14 factories. Um, the company had offered a 12% raise over six years, which isn't very much. That's not good. Especially if you were underpaid going into it. It doesn't right. even keep pace with inflation. Right. Especially when the fear right now, the big fear, is inflation. Yep. Um, the CEO's pay rose 160% last year to $16 million. So that's there, crazy. So that right there is the one that, you know, and, and listen, that's it's the it's it's what we plant our flag on all the yes. time, right, is CEO pay. But it matters, right? It when does. that guy or girl at the top of the company is, is looking at us and saying, we can't afford to pay you nope. while they're raking in a, a already huge salary that is now 160% higher. Well, they right? did give out a dividend to their stockholders of 17%. <laughs> so they're taking well, care of the shareholders. They're yeah, taking, they care of, taking care of management. Yep. Um, but the hourly workers got some mandatory overtime. So Oh, good. They sometimes get a 12-hour shift I mean, pretty a, regularly. A CEO shouldn't be making 300 to 400 times the average worker. If he which, makes 300 times the amount of tractors, then sure. Yeah, right. which he's not. And right. listen, I'm I'm not opposed to to these business owners, CEOs yeah. making big money, yeah. right? They they take a lot of the risk and they deserve to make the money. They deserve to reap the benefits of that business that they're in control of. But but give us our piece of the pie. Yeah, yes. I I think you should be paid. Um, commensurate with the value you provide the business. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So if that CEO's 
providing that much value, probably working from home throughout the whole pandemic while everybody else pumps out the stuff that they're actually selling and making money on, then fine, pay them. You know, I brag all the time to to our new members when I do new employee orientation. I talk a lot about about local 1150's ability to negotiate with Sikorsky Aircraft. And, and you know, we, we take a, a position based on uh, educating ourselves, right? based on our knowledge of the business. Mm-hmm. We do our homework and we we know what Sikorsky aircraft can afford and what they cannot afford. And and what bothers me is that on the other side of the table they don't do the same thing, right? They don't do their homework and say this is what we should be paying our workers in order for them to live a good life, right? They don't do that homework. But we do, right? We want to make sure that the company is prosperous. And, and the idea is they're prosperous so that we can be prosperous. But but they're not giving us the same in return. So right? not Sikorsky, but in, in general, I right. think what they do is they assess how complacent is the workforce? How much do they not really yeah. care or invest themselves in uniting and bettering their future? And then they manipulate that. They and take how strong the it. union is as well. Yep. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, we go down the list of these strikes, a lot of the, these strikes, and you mentioned it right at the top of the show, Jason, was um, the the two-tier wage systems, yes. um, you know, the elimination of benefits for new workers. And, and listen, we're not talking about this and ignoring the fact that we're living in those conditions at yes. Sikorsky mm-hmm. Aircraft, right? We have a two-tier wage system, um, and and we have different benefits for new workers. And and we say it all the time to those folks, this sucks, right? This is not something that that we entered into willingly, yes. right? It was... We, we were threatened. We yeah. were threatened with, the, with the, the future of the business, yeah. right? Do it, or we're going to take your future away. Yep. So so that's why we're stuck with that. And and we're going to work on closing that gap when we negotiate a contract. But certainly workers who are faced with that and have the ability to go on strike over that issue, which we didn't, yeah. right? This was in the middle of a contract yeah, that was. we were given this, op- this, this option. So we didn't have the ability to go on strike. We did have the ability to say no to it. But if we said no, they were going to take the work away. Right. So we had no leverage. We didn't have that that bullet in our gun that unions have, which is the strike. It's our only weapon. Right. We didn't have that available to us when this happened. So when when workers do have that available to them, they're taking action. Right. They're saying, no, we're not going to accept this. You have to wonder, too, with these two tier systems, is this truly about saving money Uh, when they're then a lot of these companies are willing to go pay these we talk about them all these times, the law, law firms and lobbyists, um, money to try and keep unions out of there, right? So in my opinion, this is just a, a way to set up a two-tier system to cause division within the union. Yes. To, to drive limit. a wedge into the union. Yeah, I say it all the time. It's, it's never about money. It's right. always about power. Because they could afford the pay. Yep. A, a company like Walmart can afford to give their workers what their workers need, but they would rather pay that money to a law firm that's going to bust the union and give them ways to to keep a union out rather than give it to the workers because without a union they have all the power yeah and it's I, about power my opinion within our own union we need our our senior members to have 
kind of enough vision to say we need to bring everybody on the the second tier up. We need to yes, try and agreed. raise yep. benefits for them and bring us all back on the same level. Yep, yep. absolutely. I agree. So I read this article um, that actually just this morning when I was doing a little bit of research for this show, um, and and a guy by the name of Hamilton Nolan at the Guardian. Um, wrote this article that that I just pulled all these quotes out of because um, uh, just just really really good stuff so one of the things he said in this article which which I think you know is important for people to hear is all he said was you better get your marching shoes on this party is just getting started right um, yeah and, and I hope he's right Right. I hope he's right that this is the beginning of a big thing. Right. Because we, we need the strike. We right? do. It's scary for workers to go on strike, but we need it in order to, you know, put ourselves in the position that that we deserve to be in. Um, so so sustaining this is important. And and I don't know necessarily how we do that, but this guy, Hamilton Nolan, has an idea. Let me read this. Um, he says. Labor uprisings are not a spectator sport. They demand not just your attention, but your participation. Some people will go on strike and others will walk the picket lines in solidarity with them, and others will send money or donuts or stacks of pizza. But those are not the only ways to be part of what is happening. Supportive bystanders are nice, but what the labor movement really needs is a million people full of the fire of this historic moment to carry it back to their own workplaces. We need every one of these strikers to inspire 10 or 100 other people to organize their own co-workers, unionize their own job, and tell their own boss to go to hell. That, Love it. That is awesome. That right? is awesome. And, and, but he's right. That's what we need. Because buying pizza for, your, for you know, the guys on strike down the road, that's great, and, and it's supportive, but it doesn't spread the word. I mean, I think every workplace should have a union. But it takes a fight to get there. Absolutely. And it takes people willing to, to you know, take a chance. Yeah, right? absolutely. Because it is scary. Listen, you know, you don't want to sugarcoat it. It's scary to form a union. In, in this country, it's, it's, not, it's not looked at um, in, in a good light. No, it's not. Right? It's, it's fought against. Um, employers have a lot of power to push back against unionization. They break the law. Yep, they break the law and they get away with it. Um, but it's really important to do that. So um, the last thing I'll quote from from Mr. Nolan is, um, is kind of a, a calling, right? It's a calling for everybody out there. So if you're listening to this show right now and you're not a member of a union, listen to this. He says, when you see all of these workers rise up, the most useful thing is not to say, hey, I should support them. Instead, you should say, I should become them. Yeah. Right. So don't 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 stop supporting striking workers. Right. Because you need to support them. Yes. But don't just support them. You want to become them. You want to be one of those people that are out there fighting for all workers. Exactly. So there, there's other stuff out there going on. Um, I know that there are, there are lots of workers and union workers who are, you know, currently negotiating with their employers, um, who, who might be on strike, you know, tomorrow. 
Um, there's some there's some other small stuff, right? We've talked about some big stuff, but there's you know there's still the stuff happening at Starbucks, right? Yep, and actually three more Starbucks uh, locations in Buffalo are are looking to to unionize, so that's that's a good sign. And and Starbucks tried to do that typical thing, didn't they? Where um, the the company says, hey, um, you know, if you're going to organize, um, we're okay with you trying to organize, but but the the bargaining union is nationwide, and you have to or you have to try to organize all of the workers nationwide. So Starbucks tried to do that. They they um, well, they tried to do all the locations in Buffalo. At all at one, lump them all in together. It wasn't every store in Buffalo, but okay. they tried to expand it to every store. But now you have three more that are pushing for an election. Also, they try to uh, a tactic that companies like to do is just to give everybody a raise. Say, oh, we're going to raise the our minimum wage to try to thwart the union unionizing drive. Didn't work. No. And the president started sweeping the floor. Don't forget that. <laughs> yeah, let's remember that. Um, we should mention about uh, Dollar General in Barkhamstead, Connecticut, yep. that uh, had a, uh, a vote for a union that uh, it's still being contested in front of the NLRB. It ended up, well, it ended up in, in favor of the company, right? Yeah, it's three to two in favor of the company right now, but there's two challenged votes. Right. Uh, one was a terminated employee yep. who was pro-union, and uh, I'm not sure about the other. So, so that's, you know... That's a really small one, right? But it, you yeah. know, th- those are the kinds of things. That's a, that's a, is it a nationwide chain? Dollar uh, General? It's at least in this part of the country, right. but I, so maybe I it's think just, it might be nation, might uh, be nationwide. Okay. But it's, but it's a decent sized chain, right? And, and, yeah. you know, that's the kind of thing that people look at, right? And, and other employees at other Dollar Generals might say, Hey, it worked for those folks. Let's try it ourselves. So it's that domino effect that works. Um, Major League Baseball is headed for a work stoppage. Um, most people believe that it's going to happen. You know, the people who are in the know. Their current labor agreement expires on December 1st. And listen, I'm not comparing baseball players to us, right? The, these folks make make you know, millions upon millions of dollars, but, but it's the same concept, right? But on a higher scale, nobody, nobody goes to Fenway park to see John Henry, right? John Henry, for those of you listening is the owner of the Red Sox. Nobody goes to Fenway park to see John Henry. They go to see the players, exactly. right? So, so these guys are just saying, listen, you know, we're putting billions of dollars into your pockets, we need, we need, you know, our share. We need to be able to make our share. So um, what, what the union's looking at uh, is a, right now a dwindling share of league revenues, right? So the players are, are over the last several years, getting a, a smaller percentage of league revenues. And they're just saying, hey, you know, we, we need to maintain what we've had in the past. So the players are also uh, pushing back against this this phenomenon that they call the tanking phenomenon, um, which is you know it's it's teams who are whose ownership are choosing to be non-competitive, right? They're choosing not to spend the money on the players, um, and they're just they they just want to make money, right? Um, and and the the stadiums, right? Yeah, so the stadiums, they're getting these major tax breaks. We're funding these stadiums. They're making millions and billions of dollars off concession stands, off, you know, viewership, TV deals, advertising. 
and they don't want to pay out fair shares to the players. Right. So it's not about players being underpaid. It's about who's getting what percentage of the pie. The owners shouldn't just sit on all this money while we fund their stadiums and the players fund the entertainment. That's right. Wasn't it the Yankees that always invested in players? Yeah, and the Yankees did do that, right? Um, And and listen, the the Red Sox do too. So, you know, most of the people listening to this show, if they're baseball fans, they they probably either root for the Red Sox or the Yankees. Let's go Mets. Yeah, well. uh, But but listen, (laughs) you know, the, the point is don't feel sorry for the owners, right? Don't take that 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 attitude that oh these players make so much money and how dare they ask for more the 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 ownership is to your point you know everything they have is publicly funded and you know they're charging eight dollars for a hot dog and twelve dollars for a beer yeah and and it's all going into their pockets so let's not feel sorry for them and i think that's the point yeah um and it's worth remembering too the the college athletes as well these universities especially with march madness and the the basketball yeah. the football bowl games they're making so much money yep and these players oh well you're getting a free education so yep. you know you've been paid and, and they had a victory recently the players you know they they won that victory in court where they can now get paid for the use of their image yeah which is awesome because yeah, is. The, you know i don't even want to get into the video game industry but the video game industry is just they're drowning in money um and and they're they're doing it on the backs of these college kids, right, who who can't make any money off of that, who, yeah. and now they can. Or so they that's strip a big their victory. Heisman if they do, like Reggie Bush. Yeah, right, <laughs> exactly. Um, so the the last point on, on Major League Baseball, um, just because I'm really interested in it, and I'm a big baseball fan, but um, the winter meetings this year were canceled. So every year, Major League Baseball holds winter meetings. The, the winter meetings are the meetings of the ownership. Um, they all get together usually in November, and they have these meetings. They talk about rules, and they talk about the contract, and they talk about all kinds of stuff. That got canceled this year, which is really an indicator that there's going to be something's coming. Yeah. Um, most people believe that it's going to be a lockout and not a strike. So um, let's talk about that, the difference between a lockout and a strike, because I think that's that's important for people to know. It is. It, because most times when there's a labor stoppage in major sports, it's a lockout. It's not a strike. Um, and, and the difference has to be pointed out. In a strike, the labor agreement expires and the the workers or the union members say we're not coming to work until you fix the situation we're not coming to work it's the union making that choice when there's a lockout it's ownership making that choice it's ownership saying no you can't come to work we're not letting you come to work until you knuckle under to us because in a lockout the players in this instance are saying We'll continue to play under the conditions of the old contract until we come to an agreement. And ownership is saying, no thanks, we're locking you out. You can knuckle under to us. We're going to strip you of your salaries. You're going to sit home and, and you know, you're going to start spending your millions that we've already given you. So I, I think people need to recognize the difference, right? Yeah. It's a strong arm tactic. So, so let's, let's, bring it back to us right yeah. uh you know we're a year out from really being fully 
into negotiations on our next labor agreement at Sikorsky Aircraft. Um, and, and what are we willing to do? Um, and and I, I want to be clear about this. I don't want people to get nervous. I don't want people to get scared. But I, I do think that we need to we need to, to grab this moment. Labor right now has some power. We do. Yeah. Labor has some power and we need to we need to make our employer understand that. Yes. That that workers have value and we're not willing to go backwards. Exactly. And the status quo isn't good enough either, right? So, um, again, I, I always say this. We don't ask Sikorsky Aircraft for more than what is fair. We are always bargaining from a position of fairness, right? That's what we look for is fairness. We're not trying to squeeze extra money out of Sikorsky Aircraft that affects their business negatively. So if, if the folks at Sikorsky Aircraft are listening – just know that, that that's what we're looking for is fair treatment for all of our members, yeah. right? But but I think the message to our members is we need to seize this moment. We do. We absolutely do. Yeah, across the country, the people having success are the ones that are banding together and demanding their fair share, yes. not just looking for whatever crumbs fall off the table. Yep. We have, we have um, a, a big membership. We have high membership numbers, right? People have yes, a choice whether, to, whether or not to join this union when they come to work at Sikorsky Aircraft. And our membership numbers are way up in the high 90s. And people have a choice whether or not to participate. You know, we say all the time, you are the union. We've got our membership meeting next week on the 17th. Yes, we we have the food truck coming. We've got two meetings to accommodate people at 1 and 4 o'clock. You can come down early and get some food. Um, but it's very easy going into this contract to be complacent because we know that there's a ton of work. We know that, you know, everybody's on the upswing. Um, but companies are watching these things. Companies watch to see, do people vote in the election for the IBT? Do people right. show up at their union and get involved? Do people support their coworker when the boss is screwing with that guy today, but leaving you alone? Yeah. Yep. And that's the stuff that's going to enable us to go out and get a good contract. Um, standing up for the tier two people, demanding that we get back some of what they need. We absolutely have to st stand up for the tier two people. So, so listen, that's that's the message to our members, right? Let's seize this moment. Um, we have some, we have strength, right? The labor movement is is experiencing a moment of of strength and power. Yes. We are going to enter into negotiations as a, a local union in a position of power, right? Sikorsky Aircraft has a ton of work, like you said. So, so let's not be complacent about about the the amount of work we have. Let's not be satisfied with the the extra overtime that we're getting because of that work. Yes. Let's let's translate that that work into a bargaining position, and and let's get what's right for us. Absolutely. Right. Let's let's flex our muscles a little bit and let's get what's right for us. So to Jason's point, come to a membership meeting. Let's talk about the contract. Um, I promise you that contract surveys will be out before the end of the year. Before Christmas, you will have access to a contract survey. I recommend that everyone fill one of those out. Let us know. Let the union leadership know what you want to see in the next contract. Yes. Right. That's action yeah right very that's important. you taking part you can't sit at the table the average member cannot come and sit at the bargaining table yeah. 
But the way to get there, the way to have a seat at the bargaining table is to fill out a contract survey yes. and let us know what you want. Okay? Yep. So um, this week is the next membership meeting, right? On Wednesday, there's a membership meeting. So come on down. Yeah. Right. Get on Zoom, join the meeting on Zoom or come on down to the union hall and, and take part again. Food truck, good free food, some conversation, um, get some facts about what's going on right now. And let's talk about the next contract. Yeah. Right. Um, a couple of things that everybody should know about that, that's happening right now or or coming up right now. We have a food drive, the um, the EAP department. Every year runs a food drive and a toy drive. Those are coming up. The food drive is happening right now. So bring some some non-perishable food down to Union Hall with you when you come to the membership meeting and donate that. Or make a cash donation, right? We'll have people here at the membership meeting who are taking cash donations if you want to do that. Um, so that we can go out there in the community like we like to do and, and help people that are less fortunate than us. Uh, because we talk about we talk about fighting for for what we deserve, but you know we do pretty well for ourselves, and um, we're well-to-do workers in this community. And there are lots of folks out there that that aren't doing as well as us that need some help during these times. So um, you know, let's give a little bit back to the community. And um, the toy drive will be coming up right after Thanksgiving, where you can again make a cash donation or donate a toy. Bring it right down to Union Hall. Bring the toy to the EAP office in the Stratford plant and um, and make that donation as well. All right. So what's our contest question, Vinny? What year was union density as part of the, uh, the workforce of the United States at its highest? And what was that percentage? Okay. So what year was United States union density at its highest? Um, and what was that? that density what was that percentage okay so that's our contest question as usual send your answers to comms at teamsters1150.org that's c-o-m-m-s at teamsters1150.org we'll take all the correct answers we'll throw them in a hat we'll pick one winner out and you win some cool local 1150 stuff um and and as always please email us at that same address and give us suggestions on what you want to hear about during this show, right? Yes, we want to talk absolutely. about what you want to hear about, so let us know what you want to hear about. We love hearing from you. Um, again, thank you, everybody, for downloading, for listening to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Um, and uh, until next time, I'm Stephen French. I'm Benny Kaitsi. And Jason Shoemaker is the stat man. We'll see you next time. Yeah.